0: This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera, a mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones the party entered a chamber that contained a number of intricately carved pillars, and eight stone portals, which Valen surmised were the graves of the King's bodyguard. The mage deciphered the meaning of the carvings and deduced that the pillars formed an unseen boundary, which when crossed would open the portals. With this knowledge, the party were able to take up a defensive formation before crossing the boundary awaking the undead guardians. In the fight that followed, Beric, Lena and Kia were injured by the Draugr revenants, but Lena was able to turn the creatures to the power of her faith. Beric and Torsten then cut the Draugr down as they put up no resistance. And after searching the chamber and finding a potion and a scroll, the party returned to where the miners had broken through into the small cavern to rest for the night. In the morning, Lena prayed for Beric to be healed, and Valen identified the potion as a healing draught which restored the fighter to full health. The mage studied the scroll, which seemed to be an account of the reign of the king, Vortigern. It described how the crown, with its five jewels, gave power to the tyrannical ruler, and how, after Vortigern was finally defeated, the crown was broken, and the jewels entrusted to the keeping of five mages. Balen reflected on the account, and had an epiphany that one of the jewels was the diamond set in his master's amulet, the amulet stolen by the brethren of the purifying light. Chapter 13, Part 1, One Year Ago. Valen watched closely as his master placed the large copper ring on the flagstone floor of the laboratory, and with a piece of chalk, carefully drew a pentagram within. When the symbol was complete, Amos fetched five candles, which he placed, one at each point of the pentagram, before lighting them in turn. When everything was in order, The old man turned to Valen. Now, listen closely, Amos began. Spells are just one aspect of the craft, and with the correct words and gestures, a spell will provide the mage with an immediate result. The old man paused to check his student was paying attention, which of course he was. He always was. When the young man came knocking on his door a year earlier, Amos could sense immediately that he had the sight, but not only that, he saw in Valen a great longing to learn, a desire to unlock his potential and to harness the power that lay within. In many ways, the young mage reminded Amos of himself, including the shadow that quietly gnawed at his soul. Amos had learned to control the darkness, to turn it to his will, and he was determined to help Valen do so as well. But the real power of the craft lay in the performing of rituals," the old man continued. A ritual allows the mage to channel power over a longer period, and therefore harness far more energy than that which can be achieved through a spell. He could see his apprentice was hanging on every word. But because the energy channeled is so great, the mage must take steps to protect themselves, lest their mind, and indeed their body, be torn asunder by the raw, untamed power," Amos gestured towards the Pentacle. The Pentacle contains the energy and binds it so that it becomes a well from which the mage can draw power, but it also forms a cage in which any dark magic, inadvertently or otherwise summoned, is bound, thus protecting the mage from its ill effects. The old man paused to see if his apprentice had any questions. Why would dark magic be summoned? Venon asked. That is a good question, Amos said approvingly. You have read my treatise, so what do you think? Venon considered the question for a moment. The mage must harness their emotions to perform spellcraft. Go on the old man said, encouragingly. So when the mage uses negative emotions, hate, anger, intolerance, then that attracts dark magic. Just so, Amos confirmed. Among other things, rituals can be used to produce enchantments which do not fade over time. Infuse artifacts with magical energy, or summon creatures from different planes the old man explained. But today, Amos said, moving over to the workbench, I will attempt to disenchant an artifact, to exercise it if you will. He held up an amulet, a gold disc, three inches in diameter, and in the center was a large diamond. But why? Venon asked, a troubled look flickered momentarily across Amos's face. Because my young friend. It is cursed. Chapter 13 Part 2 Day 19 Morning Party Status Berwick, 17 out of 17 hit points Lena, 8 out of 10 hit points. Kier, 6 out of 7 hit points. Valen, 7 out of 7 hit points. Torsten, 7 out of 8 hit points. Spells available. Valen has memorised, push, and shield. The companions stood before the stone portal at the far end of the pillared hall. They had returned to the chamber, for they had seen the portal the day before, and instinctively knew that their task was not yet complete, and though no one spoke of it, each felt the icy fingers of fear at what may lay ahead. The bodies of the slain Draugr still lay where Beric and Torsten had cut the foul creatures down, and the chamber was filled with the sickly sweet smell of decay. The stone portal before which they now stood was some eight feet in height. And bore no obvious means by which it could be opened. On either side of the portal were four oval recesses, cut vertically into the rock. Each was approximately ten inches high by six inches wide and as much deep. Carved upon the door itself were strange symbols that Valen said were runes, and on the lintel above the door were words in the same language as that found elsewhere in the tomb. This portal has been sealed with an enchantment. See there. Those runes harness the power. Phelan pointed at the arcane symbols. The ritual required to bind the enchantment would have been the work of a powerful mage, or mages. Are you not able to break it? Berg asked. No. There are incantations that can open magically sealed portals, but they are beyond my skill. In any case, This would have been the result of ritual magic, so Spellcraft alone would unlikely work. The mage replied. So what are we going to do now? Keir asked. I believe the answer lay in that script on the lintel. Vayner replied. It is another riddle. It reads, Eight I seek to open wide, Orbs of wonder, thought and pride. In loyalty they take no rest. A final task on my behest. I am sure many of you have already figured out how this door opens, but let us see whether Valen can. Once again, I am going to make an intelligence check for the mage. Valen would need to roll a 15 or less on a d20. Here is the roll. A 4. What does that mean? Beric asked. Balin looked towards the bodies of the fallen Draugr. These men were bound to Vortigern in death as much as they were in life. The ritual used to seal this tomb undoubtedly summoned dark magic, though whether or not that was the intent I cannot say, but the spilling of blood made it an inevitability. The mage looked back at the companions. I believe their heads are the key, orbs of wonder, thought and pride. That is abhorrent, Lena said with shock. Be that as it may, I believe to open this portal, the heads of these creatures must be placed in those recesses. Well then, let us have at it, Torsten said resolutely. Beric and the Dwarf moved to the bodies of the Draugr and set to the grim work with sword and axe. And when the task was done, they placed the heads one by one in the recesses on either side of the portal. As the last was placed, Valen sensed the energy from the portal grow. There was a humming noise that only he could hear, and the runes carved upon the stone slab began to glow with bluish light that only he could see. The mage instinctively took a step back, and the others, seeing him do so, followed suit Then came a low rumbling sound, and the scrape of stone against stone, and the slab fell backwards to slam on the floor. Beric led the companions as they entered the chamber beyond the portal. They found themselves in a large cavern at least 80 feet in diameter. There was more evidence of stonecraft on the walls, where intricately carved reliefs depicted scenes of events long lost to time. The cavern was gently illuminated from a small opening in the ceiling, in which a shaft of daylight entered the room and shone directly upon a raised dais in the centre of the chamber. Upon the dais was a stone throne, and upon the throne sat the armoured body of a corpse. The corpse wore a breastplate and greaves of finely wrought bronze, and an equally fine helm. Its right hand rested upon the hilt of an exquisite iron longsword that was unmarred by the passage of time and leaning against the left of the throne was a bronze shield, beautifully wrought and decorated with circles and spirals, and accentuated with enamel. The flesh of its body and face was withered and sunken, yet preserved from the worst ravages of time, and its mouth, where the lips had peeled back, wore a rictus that was both grotesque and sardonic. As the companions observed all this, A bluish-white light flickered into life within the sunken sockets of the Drauga King's eyes. Its mouth opened to a fixed position, but moved no more as a spectral voice echoed around the cavern. Who trespasses on the King's Domain? Those who seek to end the curse of this place, Beric replied in defiance, but his answer was met with a chill laugh. Well, Seekers, thou shalt find only death. With that, there was a creaking sound as the Draugr King got to its feet and pointed its sword at the Companions. Thou shalt serve me in death. in it. Combat. The Companions have disturbed the undead remains of King Vortigild. Like the creatures guarding the previous chamber, Vortigern is a Draugr, albeit the more powerful hero type. Now fortunately, Vortigern is not in possession of the crown which made him such a formidable warlord, but he undoubtedly presents challenge and risk for the party. Draugr heroes are 7 hit dice monsters, with a plus 7 to all attack rolls. Vortigern is wearing bronze armour and carries an ornately decorated bronze shield conferring an ascending armour class of 15 and is armed with a longsword which deals 1d8 points of damage. In addition, Draugr heroes have the ability to automatically cast the following spells once per day, without the need for a successful intelligence check. Hold Person, Cause Light Wounds and Weakness, which is a homebrew 2nd level magic user spell. You can find the full creature profile plus details of the spell Weakness at legendofthebones.blogspot.com so let us see how many hit points Vortigern has. Rolling 7d6, 29. OK, this is going to be one tough fight. Let's get to it. Round 1. I am going to rule that neither side is surprised. Initiative. Vortigern, a 1. The party, a 3. The party get the jump on Vortigern. Kia knocks an arrow and shoots. With his dexterity bonus, and the bonus for short range, Kier needs to roll a 13 or more. A 15. Four. Four points of damage. The rogue's arrow thumps into Vortifan's right breast. Valen attempts to cast shield upon himself. He needs to roll a 15 or less to pass a successful intelligence check. An 11. A translucent barrier surrounds the mage. Valen now has an armor class of 15 in melee. As a 2nd level cleric, Lena cannot turn 7 hit dice undead, but realistically she would not know the power of this creature. Therefore, I am going to rule that Lena will waste her action by attempting to turn it. Arm outstretched, holy symbol in hand, she commands the creature. In the name of Solon, I command thee, go back to hell! Vortigan silently laughs, and the realisation hits Lena that this creature is beyond her power to turn. Beric charges forward to attack. With his bonus, he needs a 13 or more to hit. An 11. Vorticum blocks the attack with his shield. Torsten charges alongside Beric. He also needs a 13 or more, but with a 12, Vortigern parries the Dwarf's axe. Not a great start for the party, and now it's Vortigern's turn to attack. I am going to randomly roll to see whether it attacks Beric or Torsten. It's Torsten. With its attack bonus, the Undead King needs only to roll an 8 or more to hit the Dwarf. Here is the roll. A 19. Torsten is currently on 7 hit points, so this blow has the potential to kill him. Time to cross those fingers. Here is the damage roll on a D8. A 5. Vortican's sword bites into the Dwarf's shoulder, and he cries out in pain. Round 2. Initiative. A 3. The party. A 6. Despite their poor start, the party managed to take the advantage. Keir knocks another arrow. He needs a 13 or more. But a 3 means the rogue cannot see a clear shot in the melee. Seeing Torsten wounded, Valen attempts to cast Push. Here is his casting roll. A 5. The mage creates an invisible force that throws Vortikon back. 6 yards. Okay, I am going to roll another d8 to determine Vortigern's distance in yards from the stone throne. If that result is equal or less than 6, then Vortigern will hit the throne and take damage. Here is the roll a 5. Okay, rolling damage on a d4. A 4. Okay, one final roll to see if the Draugr King falls prone. A roll of 1 to 3 on a d6 means he will. A five. Despite the huge force with which he is thrown back, Vortican manages to stay on his feet. Beric charges forward again, hoping to catch the drago off guard. He needs a thirteen or more. A nineteen. Four. Seven points of damage. That's more like it. Beric's sword slashes Vortican across the chest as the drago recovers from Valen's spell. Despite his wound, Torsten also runs forward. He needs a thirteen or more. But with a 12, the Draugr manages to get his shield up just in time. Lena joins the fray with her Warhammer. The cleric needs a 15 or more to hit. But with a 4, she misjudges the swing. Now it's Vortican's turn. Okay. The Draugr King is going to use one of its special abilities. It will cast Hold Person, targeting 1d4 adversaries. Let's see how many of the party will be affected. 2. Okay. I think it makes sense that Vortican would target the two warriors, Eric and Torsten, who each get to make a save versus spell to resist. Eric needs to roll a 16 or more. A 9. And Torsten needs to roll a 12 or more. A 4. As the spell is cast, the pair feel their limbs and joints stiffen and they become immobile. They will be unable to move for 9 turns, which puts them out of this fight. The party are now in real danger. It's critical that they win the next initiative if only to draw Vortigern's attention away from Beric and Torsten. Round 3 Initiative Vortigern A 2 The Party A 3 With no more spells available, and seeing Beric and Torsten held, Valen runs forward to attack with his quarterstaff. He needs to roll a 15 or more to hit. An 18! Way to go Valen! The mage cracks his staff on the dragger's head for two points of damage. Lena tries to strike with her Warhammer. She also needs a 15 or more. A 16 for two points of damage. Lena strikes low and connects a glancing blow off Vortigern's shin. With Vortigern's attention drawn by Lena and Valen, Kier will spend this next round moving into her backstab position. Now it's Vortigern's turn. I will randomly roll to see whether he attacks Lena or Valen. It's Valen. This is a real moment of danger for our mage. With his attack bonus, the Draugr king needs just an eight or more to hit. But with a four, Valen dodges Vortigern's blade. Round four. To recap, Vortigern is down to eight hit points. But if the party loses the initiative here, they are going to be in real peril. Initiative, Vortigern. A six! The party? A four! Okay, I will randomly roll to see whether Vortigern attacks Lena or Valen. It's Lena I think this makes sense. The cleric presents the most obvious threat. The dragon needs just an eight or more to hit. Here is the roll. A nine! Four! Five points of damage! Vortigern brings his sword down on Lena's right shoulder. The cleric cries out in pain. Lena attempts to counterattack. She needs a 15 or more. But with a 10, the cleric is knocked off balance by the dragger's blow. Valen jabs forward with his quarterstaff. He needs a 15 or more to hit. A 16, four, four points of damage. The mage's staff smashes into Vortigern's face, shattering his jaw. Okay, Vorticun has just four hit points remaining. Can Kier finish this? Whilst the dragger has been occupied by Lena and Valen, our rogue has come around the back of Vortigern. A backstab is a unique ability for rogues, conferring a +4 to the attack roll, and if successful, it deals double damage. This means that Kier needs to roll an 11 or more. If he misses this, then it is highly likely that one or more of the characters will die, and we could even be looking at a total party kill. Here is the roll. An 11. That was too close. But it is not over yet. Kier needs to roll a two or more on a d6 to do enough damage to finish Vortigern. Here it is. A four. Kier thrusts forward with his sword. The blade plunges into the Draugr's back and pierces its black heart. It hangs there for a moment and then falls. Well, There were a couple of moments in that combat when I thought the party were finished, and that this podcast, or season one at least, would be over. But miraculously, and I don't quite know how, the party survived without losing anyone. But what about Valen? He was on fire during that combat. But let us now look forward. After Beric and Torsten are free of the effects of the Hold Person spell, the party searches the cavern for treasure. Draugr heroes are treasure type G. But before I get to the random treasure, let us talk about the items I have intentionally placed here. Vortigan's bronze armour is of high quality, and I will rule that there is a 5% chance it is enchanted. 28, so no, but it is worth 3d6 x 10 gold, so that will be 100 gold pieces. Again, with the bronze shield, I will rule that there is a 5% chance it is magical. 64, so no, but similarly, the shield is worth 3d6x10 gold. Okay, that will be 140 gold. That makes sense, as the craftsmanship really is exquisite. The longsword is finely wrought. I am also going to say that there is a 5% chance that it is enchanted. Rolling a d100. 58, so it's not enchanted but I am going to say that it is worth 1d6 plus 1 times 10 gold. Okay, so the sword is worth 50 gold pieces. So now onto random treasure. For treasure type G, the party will find the following in a small chest behind the throne. There is a 50% chance of gold. 69, nothing. A 50% chance of platinum, which I am going to change to silver as per my earlier explanation. 15. The basic expert rule states an amount of 1d6 times 1000. I'm going to change that to 1d6 times 100. Okay, so 200 silver shillings. There is a 25% chance of gems. 32. Nothing. A 25% chance of jewellery. 36. No jewellery. And finally, a 35% chance of magical items. 68. Nothing. That random treasure was not brilliant, but the other items more than made up for it. So with that done, let's get back to the story. Chapter 13. Part 3. Day 19. Late Afternoon. Party Status. Beric. 17 out of 17 hit points. Lena, 3 out of 10 hit points. Keir, 6 out of 7 hit points. Valen, 7 out of 7 hit points. Torsten, 2 out of 8 hit points. Spells available. There are no spells available. The bright daylight stung their eyes as the companions emerged from the Four Rivers Mine though all were glad to see the open sky and breathe fresh, clean air. After defeating the Draga King and claiming the riches it possessed, the party had scoured the rest of the caves and tunnels and found a number of skeletons and corpses of miners which from the way they lay had seemingly disanimated, likely after Vortigern had been vanquished. The curse had been lifted. The companions found the wagon where they had left it, and the horses grazing nearby and once Keir had harnessed the animals, they climbed aboard and began the short journey back to Four Rivers. Ahead of them, the sun had begun its westerly descent, and everywhere cast long shadows. From their elevated position, they could see the vast expanse of Tain Lake beyond the settlement, the water shimmering in the hazy golden light. The wagon rumbled on. The ground to the left rose, obscuring the settlement and the lake beyond, though the smoke of evening fires could still be seen drifting lazily up into the sky. To the right, a buzzard hovered gracefully above the scrub, before suddenly diving down to catch some unseen prey. After a quarter of a mile, the track dipped down once again, and four rivers came more clearly into view, and it was immediately apparent that all was not well. The smoke which had been visible on the track was not that of cooking fires. Several of the buildings had been reduced to nothing more than blackened and charred stumps, which still smoked gently. Most remained relatively unscathed, but scattered here and there were the butchered remains of at least two dozen of the settlement's inhabitants, men and women, whilst the scorched remains of others lay on the threshold of their homes. The killing was indiscriminate. Thankfully, there were survivors. Some sat on the ground, staring blankly, clearly in a state of shock, while others wept over the bodies of friends and relatives. The Nine have mercy, Lena said. Keir brought the wagon to a halt outside the hall, where a small group of men and women were lifting bodies onto a cart. Among them was Marben, his face haggard and smeared with soot. A brief, ironic smile flickered across the foreman's lips as he saw the companions. My friends, he said flatly, we are beset by evil. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard, then please consider giving it a five-star review in your podcatcher of choice positive reviews really do help the show reach new listeners. I would like to thank this episode's voice talent. Returning as Marbon is Jim Hurst. Thank you Jim for your contribution, it really is appreciated. You can also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements, or simply recommending the show to a friend. I'd also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on Twitter at LegendBones Instagram at legendofthebones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps, and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the Bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of Bone. Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snydersreturn.squarespace.com.